Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Mad Axman Army List podcast in which we give you the hottest of hot takes on one of the brand new, completely new lists in version 4, the Taifa Kingdoms. The Arab Kingdoms of Spain, just sort of prior to or during the Reconquista. This podcast was recorded before the V4 came out. We were given special privilege to look at this list, so some of it we're talking about rules and troop types we're not entirely sure what they are but by now version 4 should be in your sticky little hands and you should be able to check out this list as well so sit back pin back your ears and listen to our first review of one of the brand new lists this means war Well, welcome to the first ever, probably the first ever in the world, on account of we're the only people who do it anyway, um, ADLG version four um, list specific podcast. And I'm joined here by Richard and Dave, the regular team, um, as we, we start our violent flicking through the version four book, which I'm sure everybody is doing as we speak. And, um, and we've actually been gifted um, to allow us to record this slightly early a, um, a sneak preview of one of the lists so so this is how you get this so soon and the list that we were looking at is one of the, there's a number of new lists it's gone up from about about 280 to 300 in total and um, and this week we're looking at the Taifa kingdoms which is a sort of separating out of the kind of feudal medieval Spanish Thing. clearly there's there's quite a number of players AGLG is very big in Spain and, and I've no doubt at all that that their influence and input suggested some of these lists and getting a bit more specific it's um it's a really interesting period of of history of military mix you've got western knights you've got Arab troops in the in the, in the Iberian Peninsula and you've got all these different competing kingdoms in the in this what is list number 204 i think the the taifa kingdoms list and um i don't we we tend to as always start with a bit of the history of this one this one goes from 1032 to 1172 it it has el cid leading three different cities as well um but i think maybe uh, first sort of dave you've used these sort of medievally feudally spanish armies quite a lot um this period of history is there you know what was going on what, what's your background research and, and reading or, or or trips to spain um shown you about this period I, so i think this is an interesting new list it's a good idea that they've added it in um we're dealing with this list with the arab kingdoms of spain as opposed to the spanish kingdoms of spain yep. in the north of spain yeah the, Re, the reconquista the early period this is the early period of the reconquista El says so you've got um, three or four states in Spanish states in the north, Leon, um, Navarre, Navarre. Yes, Navarre, Castile, Castile. Asturias. Yeah, Asturias, yeah. Uh, so those are the Spanish ones who are as much at war with each other as they are with anybody else. They finally get themselves together under the Cid, the Lord, and... Uh, then they take on the southern uh, Arab states. These are the Arab states this list covers. And they're, they're as much as war with each other as they are with the Spanish. Um, so it's a continuation, you know, it's, it's after the Spanish, the Arab conquest, things have calmed down. So we're talking about Andalusia, 
Zaragoza is further to the north. Zaragoza is in a constant state of war with Leon and things like that, which is very much covered in all the movies, I think, and all that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Tim, we've been to a few of these castles. Yeah, we, we did um, we did a road trip and and drove. There's kind of the route of El Cid across what seems like most of northern Spain and La Rioja and, and, and those regions between um, the northern coast and Madrid. So I think we stopped in two or three castles that claimed to be the home of El Cid or were the home of El Cid and, and certainly a couple of villages as well where there were plaques on the walls and it was on the route of El Cid that I suspect you could follow around Spain for, for several years, um, given he seems to have been out and about. But um, I don't know. Richard, what, what about you? I think... Um, when we were chatting earlier, you were mentioning that there's been some interesting stuff that's come out relatively recently, possibly even in, in Slingshot, about this period of history. Yeah, there was a good, sort of, I think, four or five uh, articles three or four years ago covering the, the sort of medieval history of Spain. From memory, it was from about 400 with the arrival of the Visigoths and, and the Vandals on through then the Arab conquest of Spain and then the reconquista by the Christian kingdoms of the north. Uh, I think this, this list does add a lot of granularity to what was the sort of the, um, some of the Islamic Spanish list, I think the Andalusian one, because it covers this period after the collapse of the Cordoba Caliphate when Islamic Spain was under a, a single state. And it covers it, uh, so you've got these 33 initially independent typhus, sub-kingdoms, and then you get these waves of Berbers coming in and be, being asked in or, or coming in and involving themselves in Spanish politics, which are covered by um, the Berber lists, the Almoravids and, and so on. Um, so, so in the movie, this is the kind of more um, effete Islamic states, the ones who were all dressed in the, in the silks, as opposed to the sort of more Spartan looking black or white clad uh, Berber tribesmen. And so you get a nice mix of troops, um, as we'll come into detail later, but you've got the sort of, uh, and the, Islamicide Spaniards, the Andalusians, providing spearmen and some cavalry, and you've got a lot of mercenaries, uh, both Christian and, and Islamic. So um, it allows you to do a lot of variety. And El Cid fights for both sides uh, and himself eventually, uh, as he becomes a warlord. Um, so it's it's a fascinating situation for a campaign because you've got so much backstabbing and side changing going on no, I, I think it's um it is you know good to it's one of these things where you look at a war gaming list and it it kind of reshapes your view of history because the view of that sort of stylized view of the reconquista of of all the christian forces pushing all the the islamic armies and peoples further south and and eventually turfing them out in kind of what 1450 or something like that this really brings home that actually at this period of history even even the concept of nation states was was kind of a nonsense in loads of, of europe these were these were proper feudal bloke in a castle um of whichever religion and controlling the surrounding countryside and, and kind of stretching out and 
and all paying, well, say after the fall of the Cordoba um, Caliphate, not even really paying tribute to anybody. They, they became sort of independent. They were princes and princes and kings in their own right. Yes, and it was then, as tends to, to happen, you know, it's the same as, as happened in the British Isles, it splinters into many, many small kingdoms after the collapse of the Roman Empire. And then slowly somebody starts putting the pieces uh, back together again. I think why this particular list is so fascinating is the personality of El Cid himself. We were discussing earlier, you know, I, I'm, I don't know it hugely, uh, but my, my sense as, as, a, as a Brit is that he's kind of Arthur and Robin Hood all, all rolled into one. He is this great legendary figure of um, sp Spanish medieval uh, times, a, a great hero. And, and although the, as always, the he's perhaps a more historically attested figure, there's a lot of legends that surround him uh, as well. Uh, and with the great movie, uh, and I remember there was, a, I think, a wonderful reenactment war game at Salute many, many years ago with, with loads of 28 mil figures. So it is, it is a very colourful, exciting uh, period. And I, I look forward to seeing more Typhoon armies on a war games table. Oh, I think I think that could be it. And, um, well, look, let's let's have a look. Um, let's just have a chat about the list generally before we dive into our specific list. Then this means war. This means war. So look, we've got the list up on on screen here, and uh, Taifa Kingdoms two hundred four. Starts in 1032, runs to 1172. So it's a, a reasonably tight time period. You're not getting into heavy nights by the end of it, which which gives it its own unique flavour. Um, El Cid can be strategist for, for three in three different years or sets of years for Seville, for Zaragoza and Valencia as well. Um, and it also covers Murcia as a Taifa, Taifa kingdom and employing... They're also calling on the Alma of Berbers, they're calling on Christian mercenaries. So, so I don't know. Dave, do you want to kind of run us down, um, start by running us down the list of, of what the key components are, what the compulsories are, things like that? Well, I, I think the, the, the specific thing which is important, comparing it to previous feudal Spanish and what we might expect to see in the later ones is you've got a more limited supply of knights um, it seems to me that's a very good thing. I like it. It's very historical. It's very specific. I think it's saying that the um, Seville, Zaragoza, Valencia are using Christian knights. Um, so obviously, you know, they're Spanish, as you say, as opposed to Arab. Whereas yeah, it's, I, it's, I think... it's naught to four, isn't it? Which is an interesting, yeah. that's enough to cause trouble, but not enough to be a knight list isn't it? You've got to support it with something else. You can't just go for the old, I'll just throw a shed load of knights at people. Yeah, and I think I think the other one is the Typha of Mercia, which is a slightly different one. As far, and I think this is what they're reflecting, and I think I've, I've heard of this. There were some Arabs who sort of became knights, not in the, in the Christian sort of, they fought as knights in a wow. sort, of, okay. sort of manner. The knights were very different, different shaped shields. They were less heavily armoured as the other feudal knights of Northern Europe. 
um, which reflected the method of warfare in that terms. Love to see a figure made specifically for that. That would be really good. Uh, I think the other thing which is noticeable is that these are armies where you've got a fair number of compulsory spearmen. Um, yeah, you've got a couple in, in all of those typhus have a couple of compulsory spearmen, don't they? Yeah, I think there's more spearmen involved. And um, we've got a new troop type in the Berber Medium Cavalry Javelin, which uh, yep. we'll have to see what the rules... I mean, I can imagine that's going to allow um, evading some shooting. Uh, it's going to be an interesting change. That's going to be a good one. And then in the Typher of Mercia list, we've got another new troop type, which is medium spearman impact. Yes. Yeah, that's with the Almugavars. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that that, um, well, medium spearman impact could be, it could, it just smells to me like it might be something that's very specific to the Almugavars because they, you know, we, well, if we look on the meta um, level, you've got, um, players in Spain um, talking about the uniqueness of Spanish armies and Almugavars to me feel like almost like one of those types like English longbowmen you know they're a they're a sort of semi-unique troop type they were were especially good in period especially aggressive but but equally they were spearmen um, so having medium spearmen impact I, I wonder if there will be many more medium spearmen impacts once we're all flicking through the book furiously to find them than, um, than just the Amugavars. Yeah, there may not be many more, but they do appear in about half a dozen lists. So no, I, mean, I think Amugavars will be, but I, I wonder if yeah. that troop type classification will be used for many other people. Yeah, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? That, as you say, they, they were... They're a bit like back in the day, Cretan archers or Balearic slingers. They, they are so good of their type mm. that that they get other troops that are similar to them get described as them simply because they come to define a new category as English yeah. longbowmen, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, all those, all those Highlander and, and what's the other one? Um, the Ottoman, um, Ottoman archers, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah the bow swordsmen, the Janissaries. The so Janissaries, yeah. It might just be a new type that's... Um, medium spearman impact it might be medium spearman with impact we'll we'll find out we will know by the time this podcast hits the thing so just looking through it though you've got all these lists have got a limited number of knights up to four in the most of the taifas up to six with mercia as well they've all got some compulsory spearmen a couple of compulsory spearmen the the normal taifas can add support which by the time we're recording this we know is is a bit better um as well um in that it it cancels furious charge it, and it also isn't stopped by heavy armor now um which i guess is nice that makes support feel like it's worth taking particularly with possibly even with a downgrade to mediocre for some of them spearmen as well um looking at the rest of it though there is a well there's almost a complete mix of every medieval troop type there isn't there you've got heavy cavalry impact medium cavalry impact light cavalry javelin there's compulsory four actually of either light cavalry javelin or medium cavalry javelin that that perhaps means that you know that adlg thing that we all have to occasionally unlearn previous lists and and try to remember that light horse and medium horse is a continuum in adlg they're not that different um but 
maybe the medium cavalry javelin makes that continuum a bit a bit more even um, in in some ways. Um, but with four light cavalry javelin or medium cavalry javelin, you've got some options there. You've got some medium spearmen. You've got crossbowmen. You've got archers. Some can be downgraded to mediocre. Um, a fortified camp, and then a couple of these Almugavars, the medium spearmen impact, and then some medium swordsmen, former slaves from Valencia in the Mercian list, who, who now are cheaper. They're um, at six points each. They're, they're a point cheaper than they would have been in, in version three, but, but with only two being allowed, it's not going to massively unbalance the list, I imagine, um, or, or unbalance things. Um, so it's just a, an interesting combination of, of different troop types in there that um, I suppose the only thing that's really missing is it's um, is there's not any mounted horse archers, but I guess that wasn't really a, a feature of the period. There are two light cavalry bow because yeah, but, uh, well, they, they, they were mercenaries or slaves, yeah. sla uh, slaves yeah. bought from Turkey. But yeah, yeah, they weren't big in in uh, mounted archery, in Spanish just, warfare. There just, just weren't the, the numbers. This is just all about getting stuck in then. Um, but I do think your comment on light to medium is is you know, is, is, is spot on in, in that yeah. there's more and more evidence that in, in a lot of particularly the step type armies, the, the units would sort of morph, you know, they, they yeah. would perhaps be in a block and then send a hundred men forward to skirmish and then fall back on the block and then to melee at a later time. So I think okay. this, this new category of medium cavalry javelin if it also applies to people like the Numidians and so on, will we'll perhaps give us a more interesting representation of some of the capabilities of those armies. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be, um, it is going to be a fascinating one, isn't it? Well, you know, well, maybe that's, that's the point at which we move on and, and have a look at some of the lists that we've conjured up. This means war. So then first of our three lists, and Richard, you're up first on this one um, for our our first version four 200-point list. And, um, well, uh, run us through it. You've got 25 units. You've got your initiative up to three. Um, I'm looking. There's a strategist, so Sid's there, which presumably means it's not Mercia. That's the one. No, Mercia doesn't do that. I've gone for the Valencia period, sort of 1095, when, when El Cid is, for the first time, sort of ruling as an independent lord rather than serving somebody else. Um, and two reasons I'm attracted to it. A, I just like El Cid as a character. And B, it's the fact that that's the only way you get to have the knights as impact rather than impetuous. Uh, yeah. Which, I, you know, so I basically started with that idea. So Command One is four elite impact knights um, in, with a, an included unreliable general. Um, I would prefer not to have him. There's a couple of places where I've, I've done things to try and have a larger army, making that their commander unreliable is one. With one of the Berber horsemen, either to be a screen or to go wide or to get behind people, uh, whatever would probably you know depending on the terrain they could either be in the middle of the table or on on one edge if they were on one edge I'd have them in front of the camp 
simply because that increases the chance of your opponent having to trigger them at some point rather than having them stuck way out, you know, on, on away from camps, because there's a danger if you do that and they go unreliable that they never get in the game. Yeah, that's that's quite a lot of your um your strike capability, isn't it? In that um in that command, you do want that triggered. So that does sort yeah. of tend but I guess it's a... Uh, there's so many moving parts in this army and um you know they still have that ability especially as they're all drilled impact they're not impetuous you've not gone the impetuous option they can get somewhere once they get going fairly quickly it, exactly and by taking a strategist as the cnc you've always got that option to put if they do go unreliable you've got the chance to throw them the extra two pips to bump up their odds of rolling a five rather than just a six to come reliable yeah so okay. then the other two commands are, are there partly to support that tip of the spear, but with enough capability um, that they can't just be skirmished out of the game. So the next command has a competent general and it's, uh, it, it's got a, a mixture of um, rough terrain troops. So two medium spearmen, a javelinman, a crossbowman and a bowman uh, with one light infantry bow. So that's five or six wide. So that should be able to fill any piece of rough terrain uh, that's around. The javelinman there, so that if you do face elephants, you know, one of the great things about Spanish lists is being able to have knights and javelinmen. So I wanted to have that there. And then having the two medium cavalry impact and a light cavalry javelin means that initially you can deploy those behind the infantry and then depending on the situation either swing them left or right of the infantry because while they're not that strong in themselves they're very nasty on somebody's flank so they're, yeah, that's, they're that's almost not a bad little you know with the impact as well um, you've got a, quite a lot of first round punch, haven't you? To, yes. To, to yeah. And coming in to support the knights on, on either side, depending on how you deploy them, that really does help. Exactly. The med Being medium, the foot can all keep up with the knights. Um, if there's a bit of rough terrain, the knights can hang back. If, if they're facing, say, six impetuous knights of the opponents, they can hang back and the mediums or the or the medium cavalry impact can threaten to hit the flanks of the impetuous knights or the pikemen or whatever that the knights don't want to face. And then on the other wing, uh, we've got El Cid in, in charge. And I've taken... 11 people, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So you want a strategist in charge. Um, probably mainly operating as two blocks, uh, but... I've given them the strategist so that the cavalry or the infantry can break off individual bases if to to play fun and games because they're not individually that strong, but it's the overall mass because the unit as a whole has 25. So four heavy spearmen with missile support, they are mediocre, but the idea is that they are there's enough of them and they're tough enough that if somebody attacks them, they should hang around for a while. They're probably not going to be super aggressive, but they're strong enough to march up into somebody's face uh, and, and pin a, a chunk of their frontage. Then there's... I must, I must admit, I'm very... You know, I'm, I'm really interested in how this 
improved missile support that is suddenly worth taking because it was you know it was overpointed last time and and just yes. wasn't really worth it but turning mediocre troops giving them a a pretty much a guaranteed plus one against it sounds like almost everything in the first turn really pushes that you know as you say they're there to survive and take a long time to be killed at worst and and possibly do well but giving them that extra plus one against everybody in the first round really improves their survivability and sort of pushes them towards they should still be sticking around at the end of the game really rather than rather than falling over and and being run over by a furious charge by someone and it is quite interesting that they across history there's a lot of armies that have mediocre spear with support you know where mm. different generals across time have said oh, if i stick a few archers behind these fairly yeah. grotty spearmen it'll mm. it'll just toughen them up a bit so the fact that so many people came up with the same idea says it ought to work on table as it did historically yeah but okay because they don't have much punch, I've put a couple of um, missile troops with them and some skirmishing, and then they've got the three Berber cavalry. Again, could swing left or right of that infantry, probably start them behind, um, just so that you know, you've, you've got that ability to mess with the opponent's head, while yes. at the same time you're, you're reaching down his throat with the knights and trying to kick his <laughs> teeth in. Yeah, no, it's, which is where you find his teeth. Um, but it it's got a it's got a really unusual feel, hasn't it? I, I don't know. It feels very different to those generic Spanish and generic, you know, um, Andalusian or whatever it was um, armies that we had before. With that mix of knights is is baked in rather than sort of a funny little ally or a bolt on for one or two. Having four gives you enough grunt to almost build the army around it, but but you can't build the army solely on it if that makes sense you've got to yes. build it around it rather than on it um yes which is interesting dave what, what's your thoughts so the thing i've noticed about the list is having i use the feudal spanish medieval spanish quite a bit i think we're all going to be looking at 25 26 bases which is quite a step up from the feudal and, and the medieval it's hard to get 21 22 or 23 out of those lists um you still got to, I think one of the issues with this list in wargaming terms is you've only got a command and control of three points, which uh, I agree, Richard, makes the strategist very, very interesting, especially as the strategist gives you the medium knights, elite impacts, which are much more controllable. Um, I like Richard's list. I think having the command and control with the commands two and three means you can, if you need to be, switch out those cavalry from those commands to help trigger the knights into action. You know, you could, if you're worried about the knights, something can sail round a flank to make the other person commit to bringing the knights into the game. If they don't, if they go in. <coughs> I think the issue that I see is in command number two, where you've got a, a group of cavalry, a group of spear, and a group, actually they're, they're all medium, aren't they? So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I would wonder about having it. It's a similar way that I use it. Um, not sure. Something in that. One thing I would say with the list is I would make the Andalusian archers mediocre and probably bump up my spearmen with it. Get two of the spearmen up to ordinary by making the bowmen mediocre. But that's a yeah I, I think from a again from a game point of view and i think you know it's interesting how this pans out i 
I, with what we know about um, V4 as we're as we're recording this, um, that medium infantry second command, you've got six wide, you've got two spearmen, you've got a javelinman, a crossbowman, a bowman, and the light infantry. You know, six is a big number, but I do wonder if there will be more um, impact swordsmen and, and impetuous swordsmen around because they, you know, it looks like they're becoming cheaper, and whether whether that um, command you know it's great for going in and beating lightly contested rough terrain because it's wide and it shoots and it does a lot of things you know and four of them shoot and but i just wonder if in a world where you know where the meta changes and there will be a few more um of these other types of, of impact and impetuous swordsmen whether that just look a little bit vulnerable but perhaps there'll be changes to medium spearmen that we haven't seen or, or other things as well I, th I think those are very fair criticisms. The only thing I would say against it is that's exactly why I put the impact cavalry with the mediums and True. the medium cavalry javelin with the heavies. Yeah. Uh, be because two impact medium cavalry stood next to them is going to make medium <laughs> swords awesome. crossing the open think yeah. twice. It really is. Uh, and while it? Yeah, they're thinking twice, as you say, yeah. I'm chucking javelins and crossbows bolts yeah. at them. Yeah, and, they're, um, and, they're, and they're starting to erode. They're starting to be all down one, aren't they? All the way across the board. Exactly. Oh, it, so it, it, it's, it, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you 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 can't have a perfect list unless no. you can have three hundred points and the other guy's only allowed two. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. No, so you have to you have to take risks somewhere. It's interestingly compromised, and it it really has a. A, a proper flavour of, um, of people running around in Spain, for sure. I think we're cool. all going to find the, you know, the three command points having one strategist, one competent, an ordinary or whatever is going to give us a challenge to moving to what will in the end become quite a large army. No, good. Excellent. All right. Let's look at the next one. So second list up then in this slightly bizarre challenge of, of trying to compile a list where we don't fully know all the rules and, um, and clearly the meta that we're trying to put it into doesn't really exist, but but still trying to get that flavour of Taifa Kingdom list. So so this one's mine. Um, again, I, I went for the Cid as well. It, it kind of feels like you should do. Um, but I spread the command and control around in, in a different way, um, particularly with the Christian Knight. So... But still managed to get to 25, which which is, you know, as Dave was saying, maybe this is the new thing. So what I've done, I've put the strategist, um, not included, of course, but in a command with four knights. Um, again, I've gone for the medium knight impact elite. Um, I dithered with thinking, look, there's a strategist. Can I get some more points? Can I make them impetuous? But but that fascinating thing about there's only four of them not six or not eight or seven or whatever i just kind of came down and thought if you're going to have them make them as controllable you know invest the extra one or two or three but well, it's actually only one point isn't it between impetuous and, and non-impetuous invest the extra four points in making them fully controllable because they are going to have to be exactly where they need to be and, and be the right piece. Um, and then I've supported it with the mounted component um, 
again, Richard, I think you always have a light cavalry javelin. I've put a light cavalry javelin in, but I've also stuck in a medium cavalry impact. And, and I think you were talking about your medium cavalry impact swinging over to support the knights. Because I've got a strategist here with these, I was thinking either that medium cavalry impact and light cavalry javelin is a little kind of, you know, mini sub command that if someone's busy with the knights, that can, can whiz off on its own and do things, or it can operate as the, the gap filler or the overlap provider. Um, and then I've gone for a couple of the heavy spearmen um, support mediocre, um, same as you, and a light infantry bow, again, as a second block to support support the knights on either side. And I think it this is one of the op opportunities where I think this new... Um, move three or three three mu move for heavy infantry has got a little bit of potential to to change how these lists play slightly it will just particularly with the strategist in that command even if that functions as three groups it's it's still it can move up a bit more quickly than it used to be able to or if it functions as two groups more likely six mounted and two spearmen the strategist can really really get that forward and part of this is that with the, the number of light horse and light infantry that I've squeezed in, I've managed to be able to get the initiative up to four, which is starting to get in the, we're going first and here we come, which I, you know, and I wonder with, to get advantage of that heavy spearman, heavy infantry, three MU move, whether you do need to be getting the initiative and getting on the front foot um, as well. So, so it's, it's got some of those same components, but arranged differently. And then, in the second command, which is the one with the competent general, this is this is again my kind of mixed mixed command. So I've got um, two light cavalry javelin, two medium cavalry javelin in there. I think you had three and one in your command, Richard. I've gone I've gone two and two. Um, still slightly unsure how the medium cavalry javelin will work. And then I've actually again maybe this is trying too hard to take advantage of that. Um, that heavy um, heavy infantry move. But again, I'm wondering with two medium spearmen, two light infantry with javelin, a crossbowman, a bowman, uh, bowman's mediocre in that, that two pack, and then two more of the heavy spearmen support. Um, I'm kind of seeing that one of the challenges that sometimes you're used to get with um, just all medium foot commands is defending their flank that's in in the open they're fine in terrain but um but sometimes they just lose a little bit of grunt so being able to move heavy spearmen up into position with medium spearmen and bowmen they can kind of sit on slightly smaller bits of terrain and get there a bit more quickly um and, and work together in in that sort of way there's not quite as much shooting as you there's not not really a javelinman there and then the final command, which is one of these kind of do nothing but occupy space commands, but still be quite threatening. And this could either act in support of the knights or, or it could act in support of the medium infantry on the other side of a bit of terrain if, if, it's, if they're contesting terrain in the middle. You've got a couple of impact cavalry, one heavy, one medium, an included general, and a couple of light cavalry javelin. It's it's only twenty seven points. It's it's an ordinary included general, but it does have two impact cavalry in it and two light cavalry javelin, and that that's I think Dave, you call this kind of a dicky. It's, it's a dicky about command, with, but with a bit of teeth possibly, and you know, and I think there's 
there's an argument to to swap the medium cavalry javelin over into this command and, and put the impacts in the middle but but i don't know i think with an initiative of four you kind of want to be getting out wide and putting pressure on on the flanks and the light horse and, and the rest of it that that makes up the extremities of some of these other commands to to really there's a lot of things in here to distract people to um to keep them busy which whilst you are just throwing those four impact knights under the command of the strategist at them pretty hard so i think there's there's a bit about the phasing of how this army will come into contact with the enemy that this this last command is is a bit unusual but but by the time it starts moving the and with initiative of four hopefully it's all going first the enemy's already dealing with quite a lot of different things by the time this thing actually starts starts moving up and getting into the game and then it's an extra threat kind of arriving later so it's it's trying to give a, a bit of a different um a bit of a different flavor to it but still at you know still at 25 and with a strategist and with the four knights as the the schwerpunkt um which is not particularly spanish but but doing it in a kind of differently mixed up way so I I, I like what you've done. I mean, it's. I think if you one if one compared your list to mine, probably at, at a raw troop level, it's probably eighty five percent the same or ninety percent the same. But you've obviously organised the commands quite differently. Um, I think the big advantage of having the knights under the strategist, as you say, is you can use them more perhaps as individuals, should you so wish, rather than in a group. I, I think getting the initiative of four and being able to throw forward that small command three uh, and, and rush ahead your heavy spearmen are all very good things. The one thing... Actually, what this was just one, it was one of the, the things I was looking at, you know, with my V4 head on, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, no, and I think... Using the, um, it was using the light infantry. So there's three light infantry and five light cavalry to get up to that magic six. Uh, yes. which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I, and, and I think certainly the first, let's face it, the first six, 12 months that we play, people will still be getting used to some of the changes. So forcing yourself to take advantage of those changes and therefore learn the strengths and weaknesses on the, of them is got to be a good thing. The, the one potential negative I see is that if the small command yeah. is on the outside of the knight command, the, the command two has got 12 people in it under a competent general. All of the mounted aren't really stand and fight. So if somebody pressures that, you've got a lot of frontage to control with a competent general. And if you start to get into trouble, you know, you may, some of them may be evading you, you, I don't know. It, it just feels that you, that's where your opponent is going to be looking to pressure you. And if you put the four, the four mini command guys on their outside, then maybe that leaves the knight command a bit exposed on its flank. So, yeah, but I think, I think those know, are I, minor I, quibbles in, in what, is, what is going to give anybody a hard time. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it's an, it's an interesting one. And perhaps this is, again, me over over 
relying on you know the magic v4 changes or whatever and thinking will these spearmen these two blocks of two two supported spearmen in my mind those are now magically getting into position much quicker um and then i'm kind of forgetting about them you know they're there they become little lumps of of tough to beat terrain that that soak up some of the enemy's good stuff whilst you you try and force around it so I think, you know, as I said, when I was talking about, I think there is an argument to put the medium cavalry javelin from the central command into the the smaller dicky about command, but whether that then makes it a bit less, a bit less flavoursome of, of Arabic you know, being forced to have some strike troops in that little command is, is something quite different, but, but it's a good, it's a good reminder that the fact that, um, ADLG is a game where you have to put command structures in means you have to come up with with a way of playing and a plan as we said I suspect this is 80 90 percent exactly the same troops as you've got but this army would play quite differently just because the way it's been screwed together and, yes and, and, you know you'd have to play it quite differently um which is which is great really because it means you've got to start with a plan you're not just going I'll just pick a load of good troops and, and shuffle them as, as they are. So, Dave, what's, what's your thoughts on this one? Um, I, I look at the initiative of four is really impressive, isn't it? Um, and I like the small dicking about command. I mean, if you put that, it seems like you're going to win the initiative. You're going to get a good look at the opponent's army. You put down your third command, which is only four bases and 27 points. You're going to get a very good look at where your enemy is. Um, and that's micro command can then shoot off to where it's needed. And I would imagine it shooting around the table to support the uh, medium, the Christian Knights than impact elites. Um, I agree with Richard command two's got a lot to do, but as we've said before, you've got, you've got three initiative three command points in this army somewhere. You're going to have a lot of troops with a general who's got a lot to do. Um, yeah, and I, and I suppose it's a toss-up with that three and using the strategist. You know, you could swap the strategist and the competent over, but whether then you know, the aim is to get those knights where they need to be, and out of is it a better choice to to have the strategist? This is initiative for get everybody in your face, and then let's see what happens. You yeah. could put the strategist in the second one because it is going to need more stuff doing to it, but then you're you're using the strategist to to pull the stops in the organ and play all the keys and, and you know move his leg over to um, you know press the C sharp C sharp flat or whatever it is um, in a terrible non-Spanish metaphor. But um, yeah, he's juggling all the he's juggling all the tapas plates at the same time and cooking some octopus. I think what um, I do is probably move two of the medium infantry command two into with the strategist just to run out and I think do my favourite. You could maybe move the bowmen out to do my favourite trick of supporting the knights or even the two spit medium spearmen to move there. And then you've got yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, too much, because if you take them out then, if you take anything out of that central command, it becomes a bit nothing-y. I don't yes. know, it's a, it's a tough one, really. But, yeah, it's it, it's it's playing with one hand tied behind your back because of that command structure, which is, which is one of the great joys of this um, as well. As we've said, you've always got to do that. And I think what you've got to do is decide what's your playing style yes. and therefore where do you want to concentrate your strengths and where do you want to have your weakness, know it's a weakness, and deploy with that in mind. I mean... 100%. True. 
Good. Okay. Well, interesting. Well, let's move on to the third one then. This means war. let's come back to our third and final list 204 tie for kingdoms and this is dave's and um dave i know that you're a big fan of almugavars I, I think you're probably going to wax lyrical about the almugavar figures that you've got um from i suspect eureka later on in the podcast so so i'm guessing this is a mercia list because that's the option that's allowed the um that is allowed the um almugavars and Indeed, yes, it is. And you've gone 26. You managed to get 26. Perhaps perhaps that's not having the strategist. He's not allowed to command these guys. But talk us through your two initiative, half-hearted, I've got to say, um, with eight, 10 and eight, which is a pretty even spread and um, competent, brilliant and an ordinary unreliable. But but run us through it. How have you put together this Mercia list? OK, so um, knowing you two were going Elstead, I thought I'd do something different, as you say. This, so this is Mercia. Um, a different one. What I've tried to do is, as an experiment, I've tried to try to cut and paste across what I often use in my feudal Spanish or uh, medieval Spanish army, and see what it kind, of, how far I can mirror it in this list. So um, that kind of works to some degree. It's a it's a much larger one. So I command one four medium knight impetuous. In my other ones, they'd be elite. Um, so the Murthia list allows you to have six knights, but it doesn't allow you to have any impact cavalry. So I thought, right, let's go for all six knights. So command one, four knights, and the two uh, uh, medium cavalry javelin and two light horse javelin, which are compulsory. I've given them a competent general. I've not included him for a reason. Yeah. So what I'm hoping there is I've, got enough pips, hopefully, with that competent general to move them as two different groups. Um, I'm figuring what I would probably do is move the Berber horse onto a flank, push them forward to bring an enemy onto me so that my knights can get into them. And if somebody doesn't face up to the knights and retreats away, then I've got them on the back foot and I can keep pressurizing them. And I've got movement of four, movement of three there. Um, so that's that command. What, I've, what I often do with the feudal medieval in, the, you know, in version three is I have a brilliant commander in the centre with more to do, and he's commanding essentially a medium infantry force and two knights. Um, in the other, in the medieval, in the feudal, the Spanish list, those knights are military orders, so they're impact. I'm going to have a bit of problem controlling the knights in this central command, but they are there to try and work. So what, what they're going to do is if, they, if the opportunity is there, they're going to help concentrate six knights with heavy with the cavalry. So you've got an overwhelming cavalry conform. If you can't do that and you have to move them out to one side, you may decide the brilliant general is going to be moving the infantry as a separate group. Um, what I like to do is try and maneuver out either the two crossbowmen out to a flank or if the terrain works, I'll go through the terrain with the Almugavars, the javelinmen, and the crossbowmen, and the bowmen, uh, which is six wide. You've got some very good Almugavars, the javelinmen can work. I'm hoping to stay wider. That works very well with this army. 
Um, yeah, and, I, and I guess there's the opportunity for more terrain to be in the middle of the field now, um, yes. in some ways, because of the slight tweaks to the terrain rules that we're aware of as well. So, uh, you know, we've all gone for more mediums. Okay, there's a lot of mediums in this, but I, I suspect they will, well, the ability to just ignore terrain is not going to be as straightforward as it was. There's probably going to need to be more to, to take it on. Yeah, exactly. And, and Command 3, um, he's, yeah, the ordinary general, and he's unreliable just to save a few points. This is something I've learned to do with the other lists again, and I wanted to mirror again. Um, this command in my version 3 armies would be much, much smaller. It wouldn't be 8, it would be probably 6 at most. Um, but because you've got to, in effect, with this, with the Merthian list, have four spearmen, that's a spear command. If it's reliable it marches forward as fast as it can in support of the knights and it's got enough width in itself to have a you know a medium infantry combi uh, combination in there as well um i haven't gone with the support i couldn't afford it yeah. <laughs> um, i could i mean i could have i could have sacrificed a crossbowman or a bowman to bring some things like that in but i do like to have my crossbow and mediocre you do bowman. yeah yeah uh, and I feel like that's such a good thing. I don't want to sacrifice that, but yeah. Yeah, it's still big. Richard, what, what's your thoughts looking at this one? Well, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting by its, you know, 20, as we've said before, all of these lists are pretty large for medieval lists, uh, which, which is very, very interesting. And they do that by perhaps having a few more, mediocre troops which i think we all feel for various some of the tweaks will just perhaps make them a bit more viable i i like the mediocre bowman with another bowman idea but i prefer it when it's on the flanks rather than in the middle uh be, because i just think it's a bit less vulnerable i think my only can i think command one is great i can see that really being useful on on a on a flank I can see Command 2 being handy, but if there isn't terrain in the middle, I can see it having a challenge. And the only thing with Command 3 is having no mounted at all and having relatively weak um, shooting. If, it, if it's on a flank, um, then somebody is, is going to try and pick on that. But equally, if they're going to pick on that, it allows Dave... To use his other two commands to to beat up where the enemy's weakened himself to have a go at command three. That's exactly so, my plan. Yeah. Command three sits a third of the way in from one side of the table and is there to provide a target whilst the other third of the table is concentrated with knights and fast-moving troops to support them which rush forward. Um, the idea of Command 3 is to die slowly um, and have some troops that can dick about and push round and move quickly to cause problems and try and save themselves. Though in, in my normal command, it would be just two or three spearmen whose job is to die whilst everybody runs away, whilst the knights win me the game. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah. No, it's again, it's, it's interesting trying to look at that Command 3 as saying, its battlefield role is to be a target. Um, whereas normally I would look at a block of spearmen and bowmen and saying, this is supposed to be a, something that throws itself forward and becomes a block on the enemy and a kind of pseudo terrain piece. But, but you're actually almost 
happy to to see this one go down um, because the 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 ability to have six knights plus all that other stuff, the medium cavalry, the, the fast moving Amugavars, the other shooting pick on the rest of the enemy army that's not taking over these eight and i guess with eight you know you it's going to be a while before they're not all going to get wiped out are they you're going to lose what 10 12 even if they absolutely got hammered um out of that command and you've got 26 to play with so you still can take a lot of damage on the other two commands even if that third command is almost wiped out to a man I think what probably happens is command something from command two. If, I mean, hopefully I'm going to have enough pips is either the crossbowmen or the javelinmen will maneuver out around the knights to support them on the flank and give them that width whilst I try and use my pips from the brilliant general with the knights or and the thing I find with the Almugavars is don't use them in a main fighting troop, have them follow along behind the knights to make you know, use, use their speed to get around the back of things. If you can pin somebody with a spearman and then get an Amugavar past them and work the flanks, that's... And that's the way our Amugavars works at the time. And it, I, I think mm. it's something I've learned with these Spanish lists. Um, Just to use them properly. infantry <laughs> to get into the flanks. That's what I want to yeah. do. One thing, just looking at this list and seeing this composition and, again, trying to put my V4 head on... Um, not my V forehead, my version four head on. Um, otherwise, <laughs> some strange rimmer tattoo um, on, on there. But that block of two medium cavalry javelin and two light cavalry javelin, it was just, I, I kind of got a picture about how much better it would be to be medium cavalry javelin and light cavalry javelin than medium cavalry. And like, you know, that extra shooting that it gives you, um, even if it's pretty paltry, um, you know, we look at medium cavalry and go, they're a bit rubbish, um, or they're not as good as knights, or which is still true. And the javelin isn't going to fix that, but it is going to make them very, very dangerous to enemy light horse. Who, you know, beforehand, if you were sat there with a row of light horse bow, you could think to yourself, well, I'll let the enemy medium cavalry come up and I'll shoot them, and and then I'll evade away and I'll be fine. Um, but if the medium cavalry can suddenly shoot, even if it's only at one, you know, they're, they're shooting not as light troops, they're shooting as normal troops. They could actually... They must be pretty good because they're two points more than the light cavalry. So I assume they're shooting... As... Well, no, but they, they've got more hit points and they fight at better factors and things. But yeah. assuming they're normal medium cavalry, the same as bow, um, they'll shoot at a base factor of zero instead of minus one for light cavalry. But suddenly that's, that's a real block of stuff that bullies anyone else's lights a lot more effectively than if it was just two normal medium cavalry and two light light cavalry javelin just because they're getting twice as much shooting and it's more effective if they get close and, and yeah i think the difference is whereas before you would always charge the lights with the medium cavalry yeah. now you can ride up to half a ud and chuck your yeah. javelins the disadvantage yeah. Yeah. is you still got protection of zero so it's kind of an even shooting fight. Um, yeah. But where I also think they'll be very useful is against medium spear and medium swordsman hugging the edge of terrain, because now you can come up, stand outside the terrain and chuck yeah. stuff at them the way medium bow used to be able to do. Um, 
and 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 I think that's quite good because it stops this idea of terrain forts being mm. quite so prevalent, uh, which which is annoying because I don't think it's that historical. Yeah. Yeah, the terrain would kind of, you know, blend in from good to bad, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be a, yeah. a straight, you know, this is good, and if you step three paces to the right, it's bad. So this gives gives more cavalry an ability to reach in and touch people when they're Ooh. lurking in terrain. Yeah, because very few actual battle accounts say, and in the middle of the battlefield was a convenient field, and the archers yeah. stood in the field and couldn't yeah. be touched by the enemy cavalry. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't remember that happening very often, except in um, except in the English Civil War, probably. But then they, they weren't archers; they were, you know, they're always dragoons. That's what dragoons do. Um, okay, now well, look, let's cover off three ways of putting these lists together, all um, all similar sizes, but but really interestingly different ways of dropping the troops into different the three different commands to come up with sort of quite different play styles and things. And I think all of them just feel very interesting lists to try and drop on the table against a, a more traditional, you know, feudal medieval knighty and, and speary army of a, you know, 2021, 20, as well, because they, they do bring quite a lot of different things to the table to, to give you some different paper, scissors, stone in, in northern and southern Spain in, in this period. This means war. This means war. Well, look, we've, um, we've talked about the lists here, and as we always do is round this off with, with looking at um, what figures you can buy, particularly in 15 mil. Um, well, I suppose there's other, other scales as well where we've started to get these sorts of things now. And, and I think this is all about two things, really. It's it, the time period um, from 1072 to 1172 or something. Um, 1030. 1030 um, to 1170. And then the, the other question, sort of whether the Andalusian Spanish style was was particularly different. Um, and then, you know, Dave, do you want to just kick us off by telling us how good the Eureka Almogavars are? <laughs> well, um, I've just painted up a Legio Heroica army for yeah. my to replace to, to be a specific um, feudal Spanish or medieval Spanish army. It's not quite accurate. Um, I've yeah. done it. I want it to be sort of twelfth century or 13th century 1250 around there so i've given them the uh cat what's with the knights i can't i think essex do do a spanish knights mm. um if you look in the wrg books the feudal europe army the the medieval spanish knights are very different they were lighter they wore scale they wore um silk over it long silk um covers they had a shield, which is very different. It's rounded at the bottom, straight across the top. And they didn't wear a heavy helmet. They just wore a rounded hat. So I think because they were fighting more lighter cavalry in, you know, in their surrounding, were chasing around a lot more. They were slightly lighter arms. Um, it'd be really nice to see a figure made for that specific figure. But for these figures, I'd go Legia Heroica because the spearmen are perfect. And you've got the Arab spearmen very much so. And I, as you say, Eureka makes the only sort of our mug of art. And scale-wise, that really works very well with the uh, 
Legio the Legio ones. What about the Donington? You know, because the Donington's got a nice range of Arabs and and also sort of feudal knights as well, I guess. And that's quite a new range that's come out. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I, 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 um, I, I used Donington for all my medievals when I began, but then I, my, I, I bought a lot of Legio Heroica Arabs, which are very beautiful figures. So they're such sharp casts, the Legio Heroica, aren't they? Every now and then, I, you know, I find one that's unpainted, and you're just like, wow, this actually is. It's a bit of a fiddle putting on the different, the separate spears and shields. But once you've got your head around that, they're they're such sharp castings. Spears are a bit awkward; they don't quite yeah. stick in hand, but yeah, uh, that can be surmounted. They they ping off a bit to use a technical. Mm. What about the, um, is there any figures for this? Because the Dark Age, um, you know, Dark Age, almost early feudal version of um, Forged in Battle has come out because they're certainly doing Normans and Crusaders and things like that. Do they quite reach into this period or not yet? No. A little bit short. Well, I think if, if you're doing up to El Cid rather than the, the 12th century ones, then those first Crusade figures work fine. Uh, you know, I... As Dave said, a lot of the Spanish knights wore the sort of nasal Norman helm up until 1200 or beyond. Um, so I think if in if in doubt for El Cid, use Normans rather than and the First Crusade type figures. Uh, yeah, and I think from, of, from, my, from my point of view, it wouldn't be if in doubt. It would be I will be using Normans because I've got a load of two dragons Normans that I've just rebased and, and tarted up. I think, in fact, I did them. Just after um, all on our other podcast group, we were talking about um, the El Cid film, which was on earlier this year, I think, um, the Charlton Heston version. I think we were all watching it at the same time. And um, so I've even painted up a few of the shields with um, the Valencia um, you know, imagery from, from that particular film. I don't think any of my guys look particularly like Charlton Heston. They're all two dragons, so they've got those little round, chubby comedy faces. But um, but the rest of them look kind of vaguely Spanish, and there are some Valencian ones in there, and they're lovely, there, there, lovely figures. There are some early, uh, I think, late late eleventh, early twelfth century command figures that various people do, where they have the helm that extends down to the neck and comes around the ears, but still has a kind of open face. And I think those probably are quite good for Spanish generals of this period. The other thing, as you say, a number of manufacturers, even at 15 mil, do separate shields. And so you can get a more Spanish feel by um, putting perhaps some round shields. Or as Dave said, if you look in, some of them have heart-shaped shields. I know some of the Essex figures have that. And Essex do specific Spanish knights, which have round shields with the tassels on and if you it's not really worth it at 15 but at 28 mil you can quite easily make a few tassels out of green stuff and and just give things a slightly more um spanish feel by by doing that yeah no no i think there's there's a lot of um lot of good options i think is it just trying to think of some of the other ones that i've seen i think the thistle and rose do some very good sort of quasi norman knights as well um and they're just coming back into the market um 15 mil just trying to think through some of the other ones oh, yeah I'm, I'm just so stuck on these um these two dragon ones um there are more and more 28 mil plastic normans appearing as well there's two or three ranges of those yeah uh, victrix are coming out with some and i suspect victrix are doing separate shields to do a more spanish style as well and, but then you can always yeah, swap and, shields in can't you 
and Gripping Beast do a lot of Arabs. So I think between That's the true. Victrix and Gripping Beast ranges, you could probably do a 28 mil Spanish plastic uh, army, you know, yeah, without I too much well, modelling. In fact, maybe I, well, I'd only really need to pick up the Knights because I think I may have enough um, Arabs in 28 mil from, from, the, from one of my lockdown mega painting sessions next year, last year. So, okay. So look, this is, um, you know, it's, it's something that this list is a split out of um, a previous list, but it's bringing something kind of new and, and interesting to it. And I think what, I don't know about you guys, but what certainly sort of pleased me or surprised me is that um, we've, we've found ways to, to use some of the benefits or some of the new changes in version four in these lists, but it's not, dominating they're all just like little incremental nice to haves you know can i push the spearman up a bit quicker can i i've only got two almugavars you know they're not tada suddenly here's a new troop type that's going to completely change the game balance and and it also seems to be more of um not here is a magical new troop type but more um this allows you to play an army with a different style of play um which is which is kind of good i guess that's what you want you don't want oh suddenly i've got a dutch you know um ditch all the crossbowmen because they're no longer so good or ditch all the you know whatever this is all yeah some of the ones that i maybe wouldn't have used i can use a few more of and and this will allow me to play differently not not with different things uh, yeah and I, I, you know we i don't quite know all the changes yet but from from what i see what i've divined is that small tweaks to points cost and makes all of the troops um, closer to identical value for money. I mean, you can never get that perfectly right. No, but what it means is we should get more variety of army construction. There'll be less one or two, you know, it was getting to the point where bow impact knights and elephants were dominating every, you know, most mm. people's army choices. This, I, I think there's a, there's been more heavy infantry, more variety of medium infantry, um, different forms of lighter cavalry, all of which just make it a more fun game. Mm. Dave, your I, final I, thoughts? I agree with that. I think, I mean, I know we're specifically talking about this list and a bit of a sneak preview. There's a lot less elites in this list. I wonder if that flavor is gonna be continued into other ones. That's gonna be very interesting. Um, one thing I tend to sort of think, and I think this may be even further into the future, is we seem to be negotiating this fundamental issue of what's medium infantry and what's medium and heavy infantry. I think we're, we're, we're gradually moving towards a, a result on that one where we might end up with troops which have just got um, a terrain ability, you know, or something like that. Actually, which... that's, it's a very good point, you know, because I think um, online, you know, people will be reading the real rules by the time this comes out, but um, online, the heavy infantry moving three outside, you know, tactical distance was kind of the whoa one. But, but actually, if you characterise it as what that does is blur the difference between heavy and medium yeah. infantry, which actually is something that Wargames rules have actually wanted to do for a long time because everybody thinks it's kind of right. So, yeah, if you frame it in that context, that's a really interesting way of 
of looking at it and it's actually breaking down a completely artificial division um to do with how deep um a little bit of mdf is yeah. <laughs> how things function tactically it's been an issue that war gamers have always yeah. winged about for many many years yeah. you know yeah. No. Well, look. You know, that's that's actually quite probably quite a good point to um, to wrap up on. So, I think on on that point, we will we will leave you with our first list, and um, and we will be furiously furiously flicking through the actual book to find some of these more new lists or some of the other changed ones, and um, and bring you a load more of these um, this podcast in the coming weeks. So, thanks for listening.